Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are poised and ready to go through the Atlantic Division. Justin, good morning. It is uh, July the 2nd at like 9.30 a.m. It's uh, We usually don't do the, the nice, not that this is that early, but the earlier podcast. So uh, good morning to you, sir. Yes. Hi. Good morning. It's uh, The sun is shining. It's a beautiful weekend. I know. I'm. I am going to the pool later. I'm excited. Ooh. We're going to our. Uh, my brother-in-law, his family is a, is members at this prestigious swim club, place in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, we're uh, we get to be his guests, and and go swimming there. So, it's pretty fun. That's... We we've we've gone a bunch of times, but it's like you know members only. It costs them so much money to be members of this pool club every for for what three months out of the year, right. uh, like thousands of dollars just to to do it. So, Dude. It, it's beautiful, it's fantastic, and and I don't mind uh, riding on their coattails for that. So, right? Yeah. Do they have like uh, cabana boys or people that bring you fresh? Uh, no, it's not. And... It's not quite like that. It's it's much. It's like a family pool kind of vibe, but like you, uh, you know, it's it's just high end people, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I I do kind of feel like uh, Jonathan Chichu with Joe Thornton. <laughs> you know, do I deserve to be there? No, but will I? Yeah, I'll go. Well said. Uh, all right. On today's episode, we are going to go through all eight teams in the Atlantic Division and uh, and just yeah, talk through what the off season holds for these teams and what you know what maybe they'll be looking for at the draft in free agency some of their own business that they have to solve uh maybe some new coaches as there has been uh well at least one of these teams have named uh, two of these teams have named new coaches so uh yeah let's let's dive in we are going to start with uh with your beloved Detroit Red Wings sir Justin let's do it oh wow yeah oh, wow. i can't wait oh wow as if we didn't plan it uh, something is really weird with cap friendly with the Detroit Red Wings though. Uh, oh no. Yeah. It's saying that they have a, a deadline cap space of $166 million. <laughs> Something's weird with that number right now. I, I think probably like every team. No, it's like the Bruins have 11 million. The Red Wings have 166 million. The, the Sabres have 158 million. Um, yeah, something something has gone horribly wrong with that calculation. Uh, that's why I just saw that number and was like, "That's double the cap, more than double the cap." That's too funny. <laughs> but, all right, well, uh, let's just get your first first take with this team walking into the off season. New coach Derek Lalonde. Uh, maybe start there. Yeah, new coach coming in. I mean. Listen, we know he's got a history with Iserman. He was, uh, you know, part of John Cooper's squad for the last few seasons. And, you know, obviously, Iserman hired no, him. Right. Yeah. Iserman hired him. And Iserman's also no stranger uh, to bringing in unknowns or new guys, right? Because he, um, you know, obviously he's never been a head coach in the NHL before. And I got to say, I kind of like that. Um, I don't know too much about Derek Lalonde other than his, you know, his actual coaching history. And he does, you know, he has had some success in the EHL and or ECHL. I'm sorry, um, and also with the the 
AHL Iowa Wild. Apparently, he set the franchise record for most wins in a season and goals in a season, etc. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, there's obviously been a lot of head coaching changes lately, and you just see the same names recycled all the time. And sometimes, to me, that gets a little irritating because, for example, like I look at a guy like Paul Maurice, who just went to Florida, right? And we'll 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 talk about him, um, you know, a little bit later. But um, you know, I just I I get the sense like, hey, you know what? If they're not willing to take a chance on Andrew Burnett, who is a Jack Adams finalist, why recycle an old coach that has had zero success in the playoffs? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so sometimes I like it when you bring in new faces, new people. So hopefully he, um, you know, hopefully he's he's got that Stanley Cup pedigree still there. From yeah, John Cooper which, and which a theoretically, that's going to bring in new ideas. Right. And, and I, so. I also think that what it does mean is that Steve Eiserman maybe wants a little bit more control over the head coaching position. Uh, bringing in your own guy, bringing in an in a, like a rookie head coach kind of says that, yeah, you know, I, I want to have some more input and I know that this guy's going to allow for it. I I think that that's fair to fair to assume that Eiserman wants a little more control <laughs> over that position yeah. that maybe he didn't I mean, get with Jeff Blashill because uh, Blashill was already there when he got there. Right. Yeah. This is his first head coach after you know three years, and um, yeah. So I mean, I, that makes total sense, right? You wanna you wanna finally have your guy at the helm, and um, I will say I. I'm excited about all the Gru and Minion memes that I've been seeing on Twitter already. Oh my gosh, this. that's so funny. Yeah. I actually haven't seen any of them, but I thought that. <laughs> oh yeah, especially with the movie coming out of here soon. It's just been rampant and it's just, it's too funny. And now every, I've been seeing other people, you know, taking like, you know, Raymond, Larkin, their faces and putting them on Minions now too. And it's just, nice. it's fantastic. Nice, that's perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it became more and more obvious to me that, the Red Wings were going to hire Lalonde because they like the longer the Tampa Bay Lightning were in the playoffs and other teams are hiring coaches. The Red Wings are just standing pat. It was like, they're definitely waiting for him. There's no doubt about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I am disappointed. Uh, we won't see Larry or Fedorov coaching, but, uh, <laughs> I get it. Right. I mean, obviously we just heard about what's his face from, uh, uh, that the the Flyers goaltender just literally trying to leave the KHL and uh, gets yeah. arrested for ducking military service. So um, I'm sure there's a good reason why Eisenman was like, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from Russia right now and uh, not rock that boat. And here we are. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be an interesting sidebar in the draft coming up. Uh, right? How far will yeah. it make Russian players drop? Exactly. Um, okay, so. The Red Wings, their composition right now, uh, other than, of course, Cider and Lucas Raymond, you're looking at a lot of players who are going to become UFAs after this year, especially at the forward position. Uh, really, you've got, in terms of significant forwards, you've got Rasmussen and Verana who won't become UFAs after this year. I mean, you're talking Larkin, Bertuzzi. Pius Suter, Oscar Sundquist, Adam Earn, like, and uh, and on the defensive side, Jordan Osterley. Uh, there's there's some things happening, and, and Alex Nedeljkovic. I mean, even even though this team has been quote unquote rebuilding, 
there a lot of these guys might not even be here in two years. Yeah, and I think that's the way Eisenman kind of wants it, right? He wants some cost control. He doesn't want to have to worry about being stuck to contracts long term. So I think he's he's okay with this, right? And I think management is too because they're being patient. They're finally bringing in a new head coach, right? So obviously they're like, okay, cool. This is supposed to be the next step. And obviously this offseason, right, come July 1st or you know whenever they can officially get extensions signed for these guys, Larkin is the priority, right? I mean – July 13th, you want Larkin to sign on the dotted line. You want an extension because I think a lot of what Detroit maybe wants to do or is planning to do hinges on whether or not he's there long term. Because, you know, for example, I, I look at like a guy like Andrew Cop, right? You know, uh, news came out yesterday that he and Ryan Strom are going to test free agency and see what they can get out there. Um, and while I still think Cop is probably best suited to go back to New York and get to play alongside Panarin, um, you know what? I I think, you know, guys like him probably won't come to Detroit if Larkin's not going to be there long term, right? And uh yeah, you know, you gotta, obviously you gotta get like, him locked up. Right, exactly. And and two, what they do financially with some of these free agents also depends on how much, you know, Larkin costs them. I mean, obviously I think it's gonna come in around eight eight to nine million bucks, I think, to get him locked up long term, but um, uh, you know, is it worth it? Absolutely. Uh, for a hometown guy like that, your captain, he's just he's one of those guys that are like heart and soul type of players. And, um, you know, your other guys like Jacob Verana, Lucas Raymond, you know, they're they're going to be around for a while. And I think Verana will, you know, get an extension done next year. And, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi obviously is a question mark. There's been rumors of him being you know, on the, the trading block and we'll see what happens with that. But I think, you know, outside of that, um, you know, really everything just really depends on Dylan Larkin and signing that extension. I would be shocked if Larkin didn't sign an extension here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, why would you not? It's like John Tavares not wanting to play for Toronto, right? Your hometown team. and uh, Plus, you, know, you, I mean, you already play there. You already live here. You like, And a and nice thing, he's only 26 when his deal comes up. So that means that an eight-year deal takes him to like 33, 34 years old. Um, it's not going to be something that is just, you know, in eight years, an eight and a half million dollar deal is not going to be uh, as massive as it appears now. It'll probably look more like uh, a six and a half million dollar deal come come that point. So in terms of cap percentage, I, I think it's a no brainer for for both sides. I mean, obviously, Iserman loves Larkin. Larkin's been he's grown he's he's become a man here and he's the captain you know as long as he stays he'll be the captain and right and and, he's been leading this rebuild and why would you want to I mean he's such a competitive guy I mean why would you want to leave in the middle of a rebuild and say hey you know what I just abandoned my hometown team and just said you know what now you got to reset again for for what like an extra million bucks maybe or like right you know if that if yeah if he's if he's and and I guess the one thing that that you can do if you're him is you say, yeah, I'm willing to I'm willing to commit here, uh, but you're giving me a full no trade for all eight years. That's what yeah. I'd be and, asking for. Yeah, and he would get it probably too. And so, but if he goes to like another team, like say a Colorado, um, you know, New York Rangers or, or any of those other teams, Carolina that are competitive right now, and he tries to sign a deal with them. He's going to be probably a second-line center on most of those teams. He's not going to be the guy like he is here in Detroit. And so I think, 
you know, from a competitive standpoint, he's better off staying here anyways. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and as as more and more players develop and move up through the Red Wings organization, that that still may be the, the case once they're a winning team that he might just be a second-line guy. But you know what? What does that even mean now? Like, he's a top right. six forward. He's going to get 18 minutes of ice time a night. Like, it's it's not as if he's going to get that second line is any less important than the first. Uh, maybe in terms of power play, you, you know, a, a top line center might get a little more time, but for now he's the top line center and, and the Red Wings really can, uh, can use that in the draft and say like, we're not desperate to, to go out and try to hit on, a, a super high end center. We can take the best player available if it's a defenseman, if it's a winger, because we know we have Dylan Larkin. Uh, so that to me is, is probably the most important thing about that. And I think he'll sign an extension rather quickly this summer. I, I, I don't expect to go into next season with him unsigned. No, I suspect if Eiserman's Eiserman, he's probably got something already in place. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he can't sign that until what July 13th day of free agency so yeah um any uh any thoughts for where they're going to go in the draft yeah um i mean obviously i think they might want to go with a center um to be quite honest but um like you said right they they don't have to do that they're not their hands aren't tied to a centerman because they they have larkin they have some you know michael rasmussen they have guys who can play in in that middle six but maybe not their you know, true number two centers or one B centers, whatever you want to call them, but they're guys who can fill in and play adequate, you know, minutes as a, as a centerman in that middle six. Now, um, you know, obviously Pia Suter played, you know, their second line center position this year, and that's not ideal for a team that, you know, wants to get over that hump and be a playoff contender. And so, um, you know, obviously if they can find somebody in the draft, that's great. But if not, again, they can find it through free agency. They can find it through trading and, um, you know, they can just take the best player available. So for me, you know, I would probably go after center if there's a good one there. But, you know, again, your hands aren't tied. So take the best player available. Keep building this team. You've got a good group of wingers, too. And and you know what? You might say, hey, you know what? I think Tyler Bertuzzi's going to walk. We're going to trade him. Uh, so let's go out and get a winger anyways to fill in for him in a year. Yep, that's true. Um uh, and side note with Bertuzzi, I I haven't heard any chatter about this and um, what I've listened to, but I, I got to think that maybe some of the reason why he's difficult to deal is because of his vaccination status. Like that was a that was a sticking point this year. Um, I don't know if it'll be as big of a deal next year, but it's definitely like I feel like it's got to still be a thing. Um, some teams might just be like, no, we're not dealing with that. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's uh, something that that's happening. <clears throat> Could be. Um, okay, yeah, the Red Wings have the eleventh overall pick. So, I mean, it's actually the eighth overall pick. The eighth. Yeah. Hmm, you know, I was just thinking. It's it's. Uh, I I I can't believe they're picking outside the top ten. You know, Cap Friendly has them picking. Uh, has them. What what's happening here? Maybe this is wrong. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I was looking at 2023. I don't know why. I'm a year ahead. They're projecting already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So they're picking eighth. Uh, there. I mean, there's there's some good players that'll be sitting there at eighth. But no matter who is there, no matter who they take, 
we're we're talking 2024, 2025 when that player becomes a relevant player on the Red Wings, most likely. Uh, so it's almost like, yeah, you know, we're, we're not. This draft isn't isn't uh, going to have much of an impact on next year. Yeah, you would think so, but uh, you never know with Iserman. You never know. Yeah, I mean, if Simon Edvinson can uh, can come over and make this team next year, then holy smokes, that defense is is going to look much different than it did just two years ago. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And then that also, too, opens up the door to move a guy like Philip Horonic out, who a lot of teams, I mean, honestly would jump on, right? Um, you got a right-handed defenseman at 24 who's costing you under $5 million a season who can still produce offensively and can play, has proven he can play top two minutes. Now, while his defensive side of his game still needs a little work, you can still pair him with a really good defensive defenseman and, and boom, now you got yourself a good number four, number three defenseman on your on your squad. Yeah, I don't know that the Red Wings would move him. Why? Why would you move him when you've got, you know, you're, you're building that back end? I mean, he can be a part of it. Well, I think, you know, the big concern for Iserman and, and part of the reason he brought in the coach he did is because he wants to see this team play stronger defense. And, and to me, Philip Peronic just doesn't fit that mold for what they're looking for. Okay. Uh, yes, he can play offensively, but, you know, that, that defensive style that Eisenman wants and that ability to shut down teams' top lines is just something I don't think Koronik has. And so, um, you know, I think he's, he's kind of one of those guys where, you know, he can play second power play minutes. You can maybe put him on your, your third pairing he's ideally suited for. And so, um, but I do think there are teams that are still willing to take a chance. And, and two, now with, I mean, now, gosh, when you look at, uh, what Colorado did, I mean, their defensemen are just fast skaters. They move the puck quick and, you know, Horonic has a little bit of that. So maybe teams might be willing to, to pay a little bit more. Yeah. But why do you want to give that up? Oh, because you're rebuilding your defense and maybe you don't see him as a long-term fit in that, that team. And, and I certainly don't. I just don't think the way he plays is going to be a long-term fit for this Detroit, Detroit squad, especially when you got Maurice Sider taking up that top pairing and you've got, you know, Edvinson coming in and, you know, he's what, I think he's a, no, he's a left-handed shooter. Left, so, yeah. um, yeah, I just, honestly, I just don't like Koronik as a, you know, a second pairing guy. I think he just doesn't have enough defensive to his game yet um and who knows that might change right with a new alone yeah i mean that's that's also that's that's something that you're gonna you're gonna allow lalone to uh, have some time with some of these guys especially the younger guys like they drafted ronick like they're they've got two years and he's still in rfa uh he's he's cost controlled at this point so I think you're going to probably take a good, long, hard look, see if he can become the guy you want. And you're right. If he can't, then uh, then he's he's still a useful defenseman for another team who can play in a top four, but maybe just needs the right defensive partner and perhaps right. a, a defensive partner for him that is 20 years old isn't quite what you need. Yeah, and I mean... Look, Heronik's going to play on the top line, and he's probably going to get paired up. I think they're going to re-sign a guy like Mark Stahl, and you'll probably see him pair with him. Um, you know, And then also, too, the other thing is they've got Gustav Lidstrom coming through, who I think looks like a quality defenseman who could play you know, in that second pairing potentially. I think he's right now better suited for that third pair, but um, who knows how he develops, right? And so um, when you talk about needing that, that second line you know, guy to pair with him, 
you know, Mark Stahl is probably going to, you know, slot in, you know, on that first or second pairing. And so to me, I don't know how comfortable I am with Mark Stahl at my, my top pairing. So I'd like to see the wings go out and spend a couple bucks on, or maybe try to find a, you know, another guy to, to fill in there on the cheap, like a Ben Sherrod or something. You've, you've got to think that they're going to be going after a defenseman in free agency because they did lose Nick Letty too, which was, he was a big oh, part sure. of their defense last season. Yeah. Maybe they make a play for John Klingberg, right? I mean, obviously he's more offense than defense and he kind of reminds me, you know, Horonic reminds me a little bit of that where he's, you know, mostly offense and no defense. So, um, you know, do you want another one of those guys in there? Maybe, um, you know, especially if you, you pair him with a guy like Maurice Sider, I think that could, that could potentially pay off pretty well. So, cause you know, again, Sider is very responsible at his own end defensively. So I just uh, don't think that Iserman's going out and is going to spend that money on a, on a John Klingberg when they're just not ready. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I don't I agree. He's there. I agree. And that's why I think a guy like maybe Ben Chirot, for example, right. Could come in. Um, you could get him for three, 4 million bucks and give him three years and he can come in and fill in on that top line with, with Sider. And then you can put Mark Stahl, with whomever you want on that that second line. It would be very tough line. to go from playing in the Stanley Cup Finals two years in a row to playing for a team that is uh, most likely not going to make the playoffs. Oh, that, right. Sure. That. Yeah, I, I agree. But you know what? I think given his playoff performance, I think he kind of his value kind of dropped just a little bit. And so, you know, where does you know, where does he fit in terms of other teams' plans, right? And is he going to get the type of money and term that he's looking for? And maybe he's better suited to go to a team that's right there on the bubble um, and needs a few pieces to get over that hump into the playoffs. Okay. All right. Uh, any final thoughts for for the Red Wings? Goaltending? I mean, you're, you're uh, Alex Nedeljkovic, one year left. Uh, there's been some talks about even him getting moved. Uh but he's a UFA at the end of this year, so you're almost you're you could be hitting the reset button here from the goaltending position very soon. Yeah, I mean, look, they've got Sebastian Kosa in the wings, and he was a guy that they they moved and traded up in the first round last year to get. Um, he's looked really good in the the WHL the last couple of years, and um, you know he was stellar in the playoffs for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and so. Um, you know, is he the long-term option? Maybe. I think right now he looks like it. Um, but, you know, again, goaltenders are so finicky, so hard to, to really get a beat on early on when they're that young, unless they're, they're true number ones like your Mark andre Fleury's, right, where you have no doubt uh, that they're going to be successful. But um, when you have to develop them like these guys do, um, I maybe. mean, yeah, 15th overall pick, you're definitely hoping that he, he pans out. Uh, probably... Not this next year. He'll go to the AHL, uh, I think, this next year. And then, again, he'll he'll probably be down there for a couple of years, would be my guess. Uh, yeah, so and, this could be a situation where maybe you see the Wings go out and, you know, go and get a veteran guy, right, bring somebody in. And who knows, maybe they take a swing at a guy like Darcy Kemper or Jack Campbell. I mean, Campbell played at U of M, so... Yep, yep. I you know. I have heard that tossed around that maybe Campbell would go to Detroit uh, because Detroit might be willing to pay him a little bit more. They might sure. be willing to pay that $5 million uh, dollar amount. I, I The Leafs just aren't going to pay him that. And it's a fair... It's it's unfair and, uh, and fair at the same time. If he had the season that he had early on this year, all year long, 
absolutely pay him the money. But I think the Leafs are looking at it like you haven't been able to stay healthy. You've never played a full season. You had some very wild up and down move like times of the season. And yes, he was good in the playoffs. I wouldn't say he was great in the playoffs. They they didn't lose because of him, but they didn't really win any of those games because of him either. Like, not that he didn't make saves to, to help them to win, but he didn't go out and steal any game. So No, I kind of look at him like, like Darcy Kemper, right, was to Colorado because they didn't win any series because of him, but he didn't cost them any games either, right? Made some good saves when he had oh, to. He and- definitely cost them some games. <laughs> he had some bad well, goals in a few of those. I mean, yeah, yeah. But when you play, when you're those, playing but... 20, 20 plus games, yeah. I mean, I know he didn't play right, much exactly. in the conference finals, but <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, obviously they're going to go out and they're going to get some some other goalie. Uh, it'll just be, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do decide to go a little younger. Maybe they do give opportunities to some of the, the kids in their system. Um, or do they go out and maybe they re-sign Nadelkovich if they like what he's doing and, and they're able to get him at this $3 million range. Uh, it just depends on if he you know, wants to stay in Detroit. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, we'll see how he does this year. And uh, obviously if he's winning a lot of games and playing a lot of minutes... You know, I mean, he might say, hey, you know what? This is where I, I can be long-term and be the number one guy. And, you know, maybe he wants to see it through. All right. Uh, that's the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, 25 minutes on the Red Wings. We could just stop the podcast now. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, let's let's move on to uh, – we'll move on to the Leafs. We'll just we'll just start the first two, uh, two teams being the teams that both of us root for. Uh, I'll uh, – I'll, I'll give my my two cents here. Walking into the off season for the Maple Leafs, uh, I I posit that if you look at the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, won the Cup, you look at the Colorado Avalanche, so which are the the two most recent teams to win the Cup. Well, they have one very specific thing in common. I guess two. They uh, a lot of their top guys was through the draft. I mean. No, no team has every player through the draft, uh, but a lot of their top guys were through the draft. You had Landis Cog, McKinnon, McCarr, all those guys are through the draft. Rantanen, and then on the flip side with Tampa, you know you've got Kucherov, you got Hedman, you have Stamkos and Vasilevsky. Uh, with the Leafs, you know, you've got Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Morgan Riley. They're they're building it through the draft as well. And I think the mistake that a lot of teams make is they go, we lost a couple years in the row. Like, I, I don't think you can look at the last five years of the Leafs losing in the first round and say all five of those years, they should have won. No, like they're, they were probably the favorites to win twice. And, and even that, even then, I'd say for sure once against Montreal, they were the favorites. Should have won that one. That was a disaster. Other than that, they've lost to the Stanley Cup finalists three of the last four years. Like It's not as if they're losing to a bunch of scrub teams. And, and the one time they should have won it was to a team that went to the Stanley Cup finals. So uh, I, I don't think you should look at this and say, we have to trade Matthews, Tavares, Marn... Like, well, you're not trade Matthews, but like one of those big four, we have to shake it up. The Tampa Bay Lightning did not go and trade 
any big names after losing, after getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Colorado Avalanche lost in the second or first round how many years in a row before they broke through this year? I I don't think that it's a, you have to be able to, like, you got to go and win one round. And then the next year, maybe you'll win two rounds. And then the next year, you'll win three rounds. I, I don't think that it has to be that linear. And I think that the, the Colorado Avalanche proved that. Uh, I think that probably the most logical thing is to just come into next year with those big three or with the big four and try to do it again. Uh, I, I I think your chances of losing are probably pretty low. Like you're going to, you're going to break through eventually with this group. And, uh, and I think that it's much easier and a better plan to build around what you have. Trust what you've built as opposed to saying, uh, let's just, let's just trade one of them just for trade sake. Like, yeah, let's, I mean, obviously Nylander is the name that's been thrown out. Let's just trade Nylander just to kind of change the culture or change this or that. Uh, but no matter who you trade William Nylander for, you are probably not getting a guy who is going to be a point per game player back in return. I mean, he had 34 goals this last year. Uh, that is going to be almost impossible to just go out and find. So I don't think that you deal Nylander. I think you just get away from all these old, slow players that they've been signing that are, oh, they're Toronto boys, blah, blah, blah. No, just you got to go out and you got you have to acquire the, the Michael Buntings and the David Camps. And I think that they made great progress last year in free agency as opposed to prior years where they're trying to pull in these older veterans because they felt like they needed some leadership. I don't think you need that leadership now. I think you've got it up front. I think you've got veterans in the back end. Now you just need to go out and acquire speed. And uh, and and then, you know, a, a guy like Wayne Simmons, you need to go bye-bye. Bye-bye, Wayne Simmons. Uh, I think that it was a good thing that Jason Spezza retired. I th- They need to get away from that type of player. And they need to go out. It's fine if they if somebody is uh, is is a little tougher like Wayne Simmons, but they've got to be able to play too. And Wayne Simmons just can't play. No, I agree. Um, I will tell you though. So the one there's two big things, right? That I think those other two teams you mentioned, Colorado and Tampa, had that um, Toronto doesn't. And I think at some point you kind of have to step back and look and say, hey, you know what? can we do one of these things, right? So the first one for Colorado is they had the luxury of having cap space. They got lucky because McKinnon's on such a, I mean, yeah. <laughs> most yeah. underpaid player in the history of this league. Um, you know, his contract's going to essentially double when he resigns. Um, you know, Landis, Scott, Rantanen, these guys were all on pretty cheap deals. Obviously, Rantanen getting his extension and same with Landis, but you know, they had cap space to burn. And so when they were able to find a guy like Nazem Kadri for essentially, you know, again, they, they, you know, traded for, you know, Tyson Berry, but, um, you know, they, they were able to, yeah, and Kerfoot, but they were essentially able to absorb a cap space because that's, a, you know, Kadri wasn't traded because of his suspensions or that he cost his teams, you know, potentially playoff series, et cetera, et cetera, all that other crap. He was traded because it was cost 
you know, effective for this team to move him because they needed help on the back end and they didn't have any cap room, right? So I a team like disagree one hundred percent. They they well, even okay. said that they ha- I mean they had to trade him. He got suspended two years in a row in the playoffs for doing well, something sure that- stupid. It was just they couldn't they couldn't keep it anymore. It I mean Kerfoot for t- for uh, for Kadri. Not not super fair straight up. I mean, if Barry had worked out in Toronto, um, I think it would have been a fine deal. You know what? Like, well, sure, but regardless, it, you know what? A, a team like Colorado takes advantage of something like that because they have cap space. Sure. Yeah. Now, okay. now a team like Tampa Bay, they've been successful because they've been wheel, willing to deal those first round picks to bolster that third line because they needed that depth. Something that Toronto is missing. You know, in that third and fourth line. Uh, to get that extra scoring from guys like Nick Paul and Barclay Goudreau and get that chip in, you know, third. I mean, that's, I mean, essentially that's what won them those two Stanley Cups was having such a great third line both times. And so, um, you know, obviously, look, it, it worked out for, for Tampa, it worked out for Colorado. And so I think at some point, if you're Toronto, you really have to step back and look and say, hey, you know what? We don't have a ton of cap space and we're probably not going to have a ton of cap space anytime soon. So, um, you know, if we're not willing to deal or shake up the roster by trading a guy like William Nylander, which I wouldn't either because I agree with you, they're not going to get the return back uh, for a guy like that. So you have to be willing to move those first-round picks. And, you know, Dubas wasn't willing to do that this year. And, you know, it's, I, you know sometimes you, you can say, okay, cool, I understand it because you need to restock the cupboards, the prospect pool. But at the same time, you have to realize, you know what, we we got to go out there and win now because they've only got – three more seasons left of, you know, Mitch Marner's contract, John Tavares contract. Now, you know, do these guys resign? I, you know, I think, you know, obviously Marner's going to get resigned, but Tavares, I don't know. I think he'll resign, but you know, who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, by the end of that deal, Tavares is 34 years old. I mean, that's just, and and Austin Matthews too. Yes. I think he'll resign. And I think they'll, they'll basically write a blank check for 20%. But, you know, at that point, you know, who knows where the cap's going to be at. So you might, you know, your, your window right now might only be these two years because Austin Matthews might want that full 20%. And you no, could blame him, right? No, no, one is, no one's ever gotten that, that number. No, no I agree. I, I don't Not think even Connor happen, McDavid but, is getting that number. No, but I, I think, you know, I think <laughs> Austin Matthews is going to go and say, hey, you know what, I want to make more than Connor McDavid, so he's going to get at least $13 million, um, yep, yep, you know, on his new deal. So, yep. you know, is that going to, you know, is the cap going to go up enough to really, you know, kind of offset that that raise so it, it'll we'll depend it'll depend on how willing he is to uh to like i feel like hey is he going to be willing to take a uh to take a little bit of a discount like could he go command 14 million yes uh but should he sign for 12 12 times eight yes i mean 12 times eight is still almost 100 million i think you probably see the first 100 mil. Well, no, it wouldn't be 100 million. That'd be 96, it? but it's pretty damn close. I think you probably go. Well, oh, wait, is that what the 12.5? That was 12.5 times eight. That's 100 million, right? Is that yeah. what McDavid oh, yeah. signed for? Yeah. yeah, that's 100 million. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that he's getting more than that. Uh, probably 13, but it's just. You're you're really handicapping the rest of your team, so it it just it kind of comes down to like, are you know, are you willing to take a little bit of a cut so that your team can win? That's yeah, that, that obviously that that's what it'll come down to. But we'll we'll see what what happens there. Um, 
it's going to be real tough to. Uh, I mean, Tavares, you're not going to have, you're not going to have three guys making over eleven million dollars. Uh, so Tavares will be, you know, he'll be gone uh, at the end of this deal unless he's willing to sign much a much smaller deal uh, moving forward after that point. Um, but I think the Leafs do have a lot of guys coming up that uh, that can make their roster. Nick Abruzzi looked uh, he looked solid at the end of the year. He's going to get a full training camp after uh, you know he just came from from playing college hockey. Uh, he'll get a full training camp. Uh, Rodion Amarov, who uh, who the Leafs took in the was that the first or the second round? Uh, first round in 2020, 15th overall. Uh, he has looked good. I mean, granted, Russian, you know, we're always concerned now about those Russian players. Will they want to come over? Can they? Uh, so uh, that, that'll be a question mark. But then you've got Topi Niamela, who the Leafs took uh, third round in 2020. Like, really, their 2020 draft has the potential to be monstrous with uh, him, Amarov, and Hervonen. Uh, all those guys look like they could be uh, key contributors to a team down the road. Uh, can one of them make the team? Can Nick Robertson finally crack the roster and and make the team? And so I like they definitely have the pieces uh, down in the minors to be able to come up, compete for roster spots uh, next year. And I think that's what you want. Like this this team has kind of lacked that. Uh, you know, the, instead of allowing for young players to come and have opportunities in the lineup, they've had guys like Simmons and Clifford and uh, and Spezza that have taken roster spots, and it's just been a lot. It, I think that it's been good for players' development down in the minors, but it is time to give those players a longer look, actually have spots available for guys to fight for. Where like when you're like, yeah, I mean. We'll, uh, you know, if somebody outplays somebody, we'll we'll definitely have them make the team. That's not entirely true, because sometimes it just is a salary cap decision. Well, that guy can go to the minors and that guy can't, so he's going to the minors, and it's not necessarily because one is better than the other. So I, I think when you leave that roster spot open, it it creates true competition for that spot, and I think you'll see one or two players uh, kind of break through and. And maybe become more regular players on the on the Leafs, which is what they need because those guys are cost controlled. They're they're making far less than a million bucks a year, and that will allow them come trade deadline time to have more available cap space to make a move. Yeah. Now, for me, I think when you when you talk about cap, right, the biggest concern for me with this team, I think they've got a, a great group of forwards. They just need to round out that bottom six a little bit more. They've got a good set of defensemen who can get it done, but the goaltending, right, is the concern. And do they have cap to bring in a starter, get Jack Campbell back? Who knows? Yeah, do you go Jack Campbell? Maybe it's uh, maybe you you go calling to Darcy Kemper, say, hey, come help us win a cup too. Uh, yeah, but they don't have money to get a guy like Darcy Kemper. Oh, they have. I know he's. They have about six million in cap space right now. I know. Yeah, they but have he's going to want at least five million bucks now. I mean, yeah. It's true. And you can't afford that. So you have to try to, I mean, you got to try to move Morazic's contract. Maybe you find a team that's willing to take that on. And Well, and that's, that's the, that's, that's all of it is you got to, you're, they're either going to buy out Morazic or they're going to, to have to move him. 
which he does have a right. no movement. He has a 10-team no trade, so it's not as if you can ship him off to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a buyout seems likely, right? Um, you know, but obviously with his contract too, it's not like he's he earned a lot of the money up front on that contract either. So he's, um, you know, he's definitely, you know, earning most of it in these last two years. I mean, if you buy him out, you know, yeah, you'll save 2.76 and then 2.96 next year. Um, but after that, it's going to cost you 1.4 a season. And then right. hopefully in two years, right, escrow and all that stuff. So maybe you don't worry about it as much then. But here's here's, the, the, here's the thing for me. I, I also look at it and I go, you know, he the last three seasons, he's played all right. He's played pretty good uh, other than this this season. Do you, can you can you look at it and just say, you know what, we, we are just going to come back with him as one of our goalies and we're going to try it again because you signed him to, to a three-year deal and yes, year one didn't go as planned. He was also injured like more than half the year. So maybe you just give the guy another another shot because that 3.8 million if he can be a decent goalie that's you can you can figure that out uh, and then next year if you need to you could definitely dump his contract with one year left uh, you don't even have to buy him out you probably can can just move him and then maybe he ends up working out for you though maybe he ends up being a good backup goalie and you can and you can stomach it, and you can have a one A one B situation. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind bringing him back and giving him another opportunity. But what I do mind is letting him be the only guy there, right? I think they need oh, another, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, another one A one B guy there for him. Um, but again, that comes down to cost control, right? How many of these guys are out there for you know three million bucks where you can afford to sign them? Um, that's going to be the tough part, right? is finding that guy. Maybe you can convince Braden Holtby to come in there and give him three million, four million bucks in, you know, a couple of years and maybe he says, Okay, cool, you know what? I think they got a good shot to win now. Um, but there's not too many of those guys out there. So that's that's gonna be the challenge for Toronto. Yeah, or do you go uh I mean, maybe you trade for Anilia Samsonov, uh that's or or a Georgiev whose value is low right now, but uh you could definitely see you know, a reason why he could still be a starting goaltender in this league. Uh, the Rangers were horrible defensively for most of the year. And yes, Shesterkin was unbelievable, but I don't think you're, you're not trying to go out and sign Shesterkin right now. Like you're not going to find that. So you don't have delusions of grandeur, but Georgiev in a better defensive system that Toronto has could succeed. Uh, so and and he's cost controlled. You could probably get him for around that the same the same number that he's signed for previous, which is about two point five million. Uh, and then you've got a guy who you know maybe becomes your goaltender. Uh, I I think all of this though that the, there is one issue is that that there's a lot of head, like there's a lot of just almost like drama with the goaltending position in Toronto. Uh, there's no steadying effect from the goaltending position. And that's really what you want. That's why the Lightning are so successful. Because there's such a like, well, we have Vasilevsky. We don't even have to worry about anything. Like, I'll tell you who I go after if I'm if I'm Toronto. Um, this guy's cheap. I think the team will move him quickly. 
uh, for not much at all because they have three starting goaltenders right now. I go after James Reimer in San Jose. Ooh, they've got Capo Kokinen, Aiden Hill, James Reimer there. So they've got a three-headed monster that obviously they don't want to go in. They've got a new GM that's probably willing to deal. So I think James Reimer would be somebody you could bring back. He's, you know, I mean, outside of that Boston series, which I don't, you know, wasn't his fault. Um, I think the fans would welcome him back. And yeah, but I, I don't know. Could, I don't. If you went in with Morazic Reimer for next year, uh, I don't know if that's strong enough. I don't. Well, know. I don't disagree with you, but I would try to move Morazic. But I think Reimer would be a good option for Toronto to bring in. All right. I still think he's he's got enough to be a one B there. So yeah, yeah, I could. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I can see the one B. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't think that any Leafs fan would have a problem with Reimer being a part of the organization. Absolutely not. Um, I think everybody loved James Reimer. Um, all right, well, uh, let's let's scoot on from the Leafs. Now that we've spent uh, forty five minutes on the Leafs and the Red Wings, we'll uh, cruise through the rest of these Atlantic teams. Uh, Let's go to the Boston Bruins. They got a new head coach, Jim Montgomery, coming in, and uh, I I'm wondering what all what he's going to to change with this team. Other than uh, I think he maybe it's going to be a little more player friendly. What do you think? Yeah, I, I that wouldn't surprise me. I think that's part of the reason why they wanted to make a change, right? Um, you know, obviously a new coach, new system. You kind of, you know, sometimes you feel like teams are rebuilding when they bring in new coaches, but this is not the case with this team right now. Uh, they are in definite win-now mode. So, um, you know, Jim Montgomery is a guy who has a proven track record. He's a veteran coach, but he is also, too, a little bit more player-friendly. So, um, you know, maybe that might, you know, attract some free agents. It might bring some guys back. I mean, the rumor is Bergeron's going to sign a one-year deal, and yeah. I've already heard rumors now that Bruce Cassidy's gone, David Krejci might come back. Yeah. Um, who knows if there's any truth to that, but, I mean, that would just be gangbusters for them if he came back. Yeah, I. it's so interesting now because, of course, Pasternak, uh, you were talking about underpaid players. Um, Pasternak at $6.6 million, I mean, he is due for a fat raise. Uh, he's definitely going to get over $10 million. Uh, he's a, a consistent 40-goal scorer every year. Uh, this guy's going to get ten million, so I, it'll be interesting to see if Boston is willing to. I, I guess, I guess when I say ten, it might be nine and a half, and try to try to match him with Charlie McAvoy. But he's going to get paid, and the Bruins are are they willing to to do that with 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 Pasternak? And is he willing to sign with the Bruins long term, or does he go and find a new home? Yeah, I think honestly, I think he's going to test free agency. Not that I think he you know, might go sign somewhere else um, because I think, you know, as long as, you know, the, the challenge is, right, is going to be finding a top center to replace Bergeron and because, you know, Bergeron's yeah. going to play it one year at a time. And so, you know, if there's nothing there, I think he's going to wait it out and see what their plan is, right? Because if they don't, they don't win a cup now, if they don't, you know, have a replacement for Bergeron after the season, Pasternak might be like, hey, you know what? I don't want to sit here and go through a rebuild. I'm 26, 27. Uh, no, thank you. I'm going to go off to a team like, gosh, I don't even know who, I mean, where he would sign and who's willing to give him that money, but, uh, maybe it's a Detroit, right? Maybe he goes to Detroit. They, they have some money and they could sure use a guy like him. I mean, who's going to say no to a 40 goal scorer? So yeah. Yeah. And there's not a team in the league that wouldn't try to sign him. Right. Uh, and now whether they could 
cap wise, that that's another question, but I mean, and the Bruins can afford, afford to sign that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's one of those, uh, it's been a sweetheart deal while you've had it and it's coming up and that's, that's going to be, that's going to be big. Um, do you like, you know, Hampus Lindholm is now signed long-term McAvoy's signed long-term and so is Brandon Carlo. Uh, it's it's really I mean is it going to come down to goaltending again with this team? Linus Armar, Allmark, Jeremy Swayman, we're basically walking into the same exact situation as we had this last year. Yeah, I mean from a goaltending perspective, I love what they have back there. They're, that combination of Allmark and Swayman is phenomenal. Um, to me, if I had to pick a one A and one B combo, I this would probably be it, right? Um, you know, but the problem is, is Swayman's got a, a new deal coming. And he looks like the one A to all Allmark's one B. So, um, you know, if Allmark's making five million bucks, what do you think Swayman's going to want? Right? He's probably going to want six. Yeah. So, well, and and uh, yes, Allmark was a UFA, so hit the money's a little different. But you're probably looking sure. at at Swayman getting at least close to that somewhere around in the neighborhood of five million bucks. That's it's kind of becoming the number for. Uh, goaltenders that aren't the best goaltenders ever, but they're very good. Uh, yeah, outside of your, you know, Vasilevsky, Price, those guys. Right, right. And so, um, you know, really what it boils down to for me is I look at this defense and all the, the big money they're spending there. I think that's where you're going to see some change maybe this year. Uh, you know, whether it's a guy like Derek Forberg, Mike Riley, or, or Grizzlick you know, getting moved at some point, I think one, if not two of those guys are going to have to go. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. To make some, to make some room to sign a guy like Swayman and still have money around to, to bring pasta back, assuming that he wants to stay there. So, um, you know, listen for it from a defensive side and goaltending, I think they're okay. Even if they had to stay with what they have, um, and try to figure it out next off season, I think they'd be okay. But, um, you know, a full season with a healthy Hampus Lindholm, I think, is going to be phenomenal for this team. Uh, he and McAvoy are just going to, I mean, run rampant on that blue line, twenty-five plus minutes each. Yep. And yep. Uh, you know, McAvoy, I think, to me, was probably one of the more underrated defensemen this year. I would have probably put him in my uh, top three, to be quite honest, this year um, as far as defensemen. I think what he did and the way he played with uh, no defensive partners and. Uh, you know, a lack of, of depth at that forward group. I think he was phenomenal for this team. And so, um, you know, obviously he's not my Norris pick, but I would have given that to Yossi. But I think besides Makar and Yossi, I think he was number three for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I when it comes to the Bruins, I again, I, I look at this team and I just, I see a team that's going to make the playoffs. I see a team that could win a round. I just I don't know if we're looking at a team that is going to win the cup. Uh, no, you know, win win one for the Gipper, win one for Bergeron. I I just don't see it. Uh, I I don't like almost four million dollars to Nick Foligno right now. Uh, the Jake DeBrusque situation, maybe that all gets settled because of the new head coach. Um, I know that him and Cassidy had a big issues with each other, but. Uh, we'll see if they have to still trade Jake DeBrusque. Like, does he still want out, or is he willing to to stay? I mean, he signed the deal to stay, uh, but from my understanding, when he signed that deal, it was not an indication of I want to stay in Boston. It was an indication of 
I'm willing to sign a deal so that it makes me easier to move so that a team isn't wondering how much I'm going to be signing for. So I, right, exactly. I wonder, I mean, and he was, he was really good for Boston. He was really good. Very important down the stretch too. scored 25 goals. And when this team had some injuries, he really stepped up. Uh, so, yeah. And he gives them the, the flexibility, right. To, to move past off that first line and put them on that second line. And, uh, but obviously the problem is right with, without a Bergeron, without David Krejci, um, you know, Charlie Coyle's your top center. And that's just not a recipe for success, especially mm-hmm. when you think long-term, right. Especially with, you know, pasta and, and, uh, you know, DeBrusque, you know, two years from now too. all these guys going into UFA, you know, they, they could implode really, really quick here. So, and, and don't forget, uh, Brad Marchand is going to miss, what like the first, the first little bit here of the season. The first, uh, I think it's, oh gosh, what is it? Who is it that? Yeah, McAvoy's going to be out for six months, right? Yep. And uh, Marshawn's going to miss the first two months of the season, and uh, and even Matt Grizzlick, he he may be out for a little while to start the season. Um, Mike Riley had a right ankle tendon repair and removal of bone fragments. Um, that's a three-month recovery, so we'll see if he's ready to go for the start of the season. Like, there's there's a lot of big injuries that they're facing moving into the season, so that that's not going to help the start of their season. They may be in a in a little bit of a hole. You talk about uh, 25 minutes a night. Well, Hampus Lindholm might need to play 30 for this team uh, until McAvoy gets back. So that's that is what maybe is going to be unfortunate about this year. Can they get them? They're they're like the Penguins. Remember the Penguins walking into this year? We said, can they keep themselves in playoff contention by the time Malkin and Crosby get back? They were able to do that. Uh, can the Boston Bruins do that too? That'll be the big question. Um, uh, let's go Buffalo Sabres. Uh, three first-round picks headed into the draft, and for once uh, we don't have a new head coach for the Sabres in the offseason, do we? Hallelujah! My goodness. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody got fired at the end of the year. Um, they right, just got. They just got. Uh, they, it's been the same guy for a whole year. It's amazing, amazing. Don yeah. out. Okay, so uh, where do you see the Sabers? I think they're picking. Uh, let's see, they're picking twenty eighth. They're picking sixteenth, and they're picking ninth. Any chance that the Sabers try and move up in the draft? You think? Move up, huh? Wow. Packaging um, a couple of those to uh, to move up, or are we just talking like a we're just going to blanket this thing and and make all three picks? You know what? It wouldn't shock me if, say, for instance, Montreal goes out and they they do take Slakowski with that number one pick, and Shane Wright, Logan Cooley are sitting there prime at number two, and New Jersey is still willing to deal. Then maybe yes, you could see them trading at number nine, trading another one of those first rounders and maybe throwing in, you know, a third or fourth round pick. Um, yeah, they, they could potentially, or maybe throw in a second round pick from for next year. Cause they have three of those as well. Uh, maybe you can make that move, right? It's, it's not out of the question. And um, really, I mean, if you were able to get a Logan Cooley or a Shane Wright to come in and be your number one guy of the future, that's not bad. I mean, no. don't get me wrong. I like Middlestat. I like what they have, but I think one of these two guys would be much, much better than what they've got right now. Now the question is, is New Jersey just 
are they going to be open to just acquiring picks or are they going to want a player? Yeah, that's that's the good question, right? I, I do think they are kind of in that win now mode. Um, they think their their window or is at least to get open. better get better this season. Like right. they're not looking three years down the road to be better. They want to be better this season and compete for a playoff spot for sure. Right, and and from a player standpoint, right, they don't really have a lot of guys. I mean, that they can really deal. The, I mean, or I shouldn't say that they. They want a deal, right? I mean, obviously, they'd love to give you know Kyle Ocposo or maybe get rid of Jeff Skinner somehow. But New Jersey's not going to take either one of those guys. So, um, you know, when you look beyond that, really, it's Alex Tuck, Casey Middlestad, Tage Thompson. But Buffalo's not dealing those guys. They'd be stupid to. Uh, yeah, one one so. guy that I could see uh, including in a deal. You know, I, I I think maybe you would do like your maybe the ninth overall and. The the twenty eighth overall plus I think it was twenty eighth overall is where they're they're picking was that right uh, yeah twenty eighth yeah. overall and Victor Olafson Victor Olafson is would be a reasonable like he's a goal scorer he's not prolific you know he's like a, a right at twenty goal type of guy uh, he can put up forty five fifty points in a season and you're gonna have to sign him to probably around five million dollars a year. He's 26 years old. I, I think you can find a way to where he could be a guy that could be jettisoned if you were bringing in a Shane Wright, or you know, if you loved a guy down there. Or I should yeah, say, yeah, I up guess. There. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't mind that idea, um, and I don't think they'd have to move two first rounders if they they include Olafson in that deal. I think you could probably get away with a second round pick. Uh, you know, three yeah, pieces you really. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't mind it. I I think it's it's not a bad it's not a bad idea at all, really. Um, and if you're if you're New Jersey, right, you kind of like that too because you are looking for wingers. You want more scoring on the wing, and so plus he, you still get a ninth you, overall pick. Like you're not right. you're not moving down to like to tw- in the into the twenties. Yeah, I think you're right. If you were to go the ninth overall pick plus a, a second round pick plus Olafson, I think that would get it done. Yeah, I think both sides would be happy and get what they want. And, you know, I mean, look, they could bring in, I would probably take, you know, Shane Wright and he's, you know, NHL ready. So you could plug him in, you know, on your second, third line right now and see what he's got. But yeah, I, I don't know if you're Buffalo, I think you probably send him back to juniors. I think that's what I'm kind of hearing is that Shane Wright will probably, whoever drafts him is going to draft him knowing he's going to go back to juniors because he missed a whole year of okay. juniors. That that's what I'm. That's what I've been hearing. I'm not opposed to that anymore. To be quite honest, I mean, look, when Owen Power got drafted number one overall and went back to Michigan, I said, you know what? Hey, I like this. I think that's the smart move because stop rushing these guys in yeah. unless they're generational talents like Connor McDavid, obviously. But I think from a physicality standpoint, and I think from just an IQ standpoint, you want these guys to develop and get that confidence that they can dominate because once they come into the NHL. They're not going to dominate like they did in juniors, and you don't want to ruin that psyche. Right. So you want them mentally ready to, to compete. Yeah, yep. I agree. Yeah, I think if you take Shane Wright, you know he's probably not coming into your, your roster. You could, but it's going to be much better for him to go and be dominant as opposed to playing in your third or fourth line. Right, and they're still, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, with Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski or you know whomever plays that backup position, uh, I mean, the rumor is that they're going to go out and get somebody else to play with Craig Anderson because they still want to send 
you know, Lukanen uh, back to the to the AHL to play 60 games there. Yep. So they're not like in win now mode, or they're not like close to where they think they can compete for a playoff spot. So, you know, why why rush a guy like Shane Wright too? Yep, that's right. Uh, all right. Well, either way, if the Sabers decide to just keep all their picks, they're they're going to have a uh, their draft day. I mean, they've got four picks in the first forty one picks, so uh, they'll 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 have a pretty exciting draft day there in Montreal. All right, let's move to the Florida Panthers. Uh, they have no first round pick, no second round pick. They have no first round pick for the next three years. Uh, so, in terms of the draft, they they have certainly. Uh, sold out their capital in terms of or for a win now mode they won one round for the first time since 1996 and uh now they find themselves with a new head coach in paul maurice which i absolutely love that move uh i'm so excited to see what paul maurice does walking into this team how he can take the best offensive regular season team we've seen in the last 30 years and what he can do with them to get them playoff ready and how that'll change. I'm I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, he he had Winnipeg playoff ready when they were, you know, still competing a couple of years ago. Um, you know, their brand of hockey was was good for the playoffs, but now he's got more talent, right? He's got Much more, a whole yeah. lot Yeah, a lot more offensive firepower to work with. And he could potentially have Claude Drew in there as well. Rumor is, you know, I think they're still trying to, to work something out with him. Uh, but obviously he's got to take some sort of discount. So um, really with this team, right, even more than the head coach, because I still think regardless who's at the helm there, I think they're still going to be successful. Now, again, I, I agree with you. I think it comes down to can whatever head coach is there get them playoff ready. But uh, to me, it's going to be what they do with Sergei Bobrovsky this this season. Um, you know, is he still there come, you know, September, October, or does he get moved at some point during the summer, you know, and how much do they have to eat? Because I think cap space is a concern for this team, especially considering that we've got Jonathan Huberdu's contract coming up. Uh, Mackenzie Weger is going to need a big raise. And so it'll be interesting to me to see if they make that move to try to free up some cap space to, to and, keep these guys. And they're going to actually have to pay Spencer Knight something. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I, when I look at this next year, I really see a year where like it was genius to bring Paul Maurice in because I think you come in with the mindset that like we must win the cup. This is our cup year because Huberto's up, Horinkvist will be gone. And, you know, I think maybe you could go into this year and keep Bobrovsky, but you'd have to move him next year. So I, I think you're coming into this thinking, knowing that you've got to win. I think there's a lot of pressure, but I think Paul Maurice is the perfect man to uh, to kind of take that pressure and use it and, uh, and yeah. help this team to to advance to new heights. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see if they can have the same type of depth that they have had uh, over you know over the last twelve months, where they basically have had a second line playing on their fourth line. Uh, I don't know if that'll be the case next year. No, I think a guy like, for example, Patrick Hornquist, I think whether or not he's moved or he's bought out, I think he won't be there next year because you don't want to pay a guy $5.3 million to play in your fourth line, right? So um, so you're going to open up some spots there. I think you know, getting a full season of a, a healthy Anton Lundell is going to be phenomenal for this team. Um, but again, you know, Mason Marchant, Marshman, he's not going to be back this season. I don't think they can afford to keep him and Giroux, so one of those guys have got to go. And I think, you know, if you're Florida, you'd probably rather keep Giroux 
uh, he he was phenomenal on that that top six for them. And so obviously Joe Thornton won't be back either uh, to play the occasional game. So I think there's going to be some changes, like you said, on that bottom line that you know that bottom six, you know, four guys there on that forward group are going to be a little bit different. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, yeah, and I and I mean in terms of the draft, they're just there's not much going for the Panthers. Uh, they're just going to have to try and do this through free agency at this point. They've, they've already drafted all their guys. Yeah. And those bottom six guys are easy to find in free agency. I don't think there's any shortage of those. So uh, they should be able to get some guys relatively cheap that can still, still produce a little bit. All right. Yeah. And, and let's not forget Mason Marchment. He was almost a point per game player playing on the third line. Unbelievable. So, uh, I mean, he's going to go somewhere and uh, he, he's not going to get a crazy contract, but if he can go and produce that again somewhere else, uh, some other team is, is going to be very lucky. All right, let's go to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Canadiens have two first rounds, two second, three thirds, three fourths, a fifth, a sixth, and two seventh round picks. They have a ton of picks in this upcoming draft, thir- uh, 14 to be exact so far. Um, man, I, I am excited to see what they'll do because I think – there's a lot that could happen. I think Jeff Petrie could be moved. Uh, I, I want, you know, obviously we don't know if Carey Price has played his last NHL game. There's, I think there's a good chance that he's done. Uh, and they, they went out and they acquired Evgeny Dadanov. Uh, but there's a lot of potential moves, you know, Paul Byron, he could be moved. You've got, uh, Mike Hoffman who could be moved. Uh, there's been rumors for out there for Josh Anderson who would fetch a, a pretty penny. It's all just going to depend on what this Montreal team wants to do moving forward and how quickly they think they can win again, right? Like, I just don't see this team being a winner for a little while, though. No, I agree. I think it's all about giving guys like Cole Caulf- Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, time and opportunity, right? Give them the minutes to play each night, see what they can do, and and really just kind of continue to mold those guys and and continue to draft, right? Like you mentioned, they've got a ton of draft picks coming coming up in this year's draft. So, you know, do they maybe move some of those too? Like next year, for example, right? Maybe you move that Calgary pick this year and move into the first round next year because the first round next year is going to be loaded at the top. So, um, you know, maybe you wait and cash in then instead of this year. But uh, either way, I think, you know, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to bring in young talent and see if they can develop them. So don't rush it. You know, maybe – Maybe they go tankathon, and so that they can get that number one pick next year again. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I doubt it's going to happen two years in a row. But uh, you know, we've seen Edmonton do it, so who knows? That is true. But uh, did that uh, did the rule start this year, or is it starting next year, where you can't win the draft lottery twice? I think that was this year. I- that's this year. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, that's this year. So I don't think the Montreal Canadiens can win the draft lottery again for five years. Interesting. So it's going to be. Right, we'll see. What What's going to be interesting is uh, when there's like six or seven teams that are up for the draft lottery that can't win it. So you just have all these like it's it could get weird. Uh, I don't know if it's you. Can, is it that you can't have the first overall pick multiple times, or is it you just purely can't win in the lottery? I don't know. Let me Google that. Yeah, Google it. Yeah, do do some uh, do some research. I'll filibuster here for a minute on the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of players that the the Habs could move to to acquire those draft picks, and I think there is. You're right. There's every reason to look forward to that 2023 first round and try to acquire as many picks in that as you can. Uh, I think that Jonathan Drouin could be a a great target to move. I mean, he's a UFA at the end of this year. Uh, has has everything worked out the way that they were hoping? Absolutely not. Uh, Jonathan Drouin had up and down, uh, you know, obviously an up and down career in Montreal. Uh, but he, you know, he's he ended the season on LTIR. Uh, he had, you know, he said the the anxiety stuff that he had the the year before. Uh, I think there's some risk behind him, but bringing him in for one more year, maybe as if Montreal eats half that salary and suddenly he's at $2.75 million cap hit, if you can bring him into your third your third line, maybe your top six, but not have to rely on him completely, uh, I think it'd be a great move. And you might be able to add him for a second-round pick because of the baggage that he brings. He might be a great risk worth taking. Maybe for now, it's going to be hard for a team like the Leafs to to make a deal with like that with Montreal. Maybe, but uh, he may be a, a great fit on the wing for the Leafs, uh, especially if you could get him for cheap. Justin, what'd you find? Yeah, so uh, the official rule is you cannot win the lottery more than twice in a five year period, and any lottery wins prior to twenty twenty two will not count. Prior to 2022. So 2022 so Montreal counts. could win it. Yeah, 2022 counts. So Montreal could win it twice next year. They could win. Okay, they could. you can win it two times. Okay. I, yep. Just not three. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, well, that's uh, it's all the reason to tank. <laughs> it's all the right. reason you need. Connor Bedard right there. My goodness. Uh, Is he going to rip it up? Right. All right, let's go to uh, the, the Ottawa Senators. We'll get to the Stanley Cup uh you know, runner-ups to close out the show. The Ottawa Senators, I think, are probably one of the teams in the NHL that uh, they they were like, the rebuild is over, all we care about is wins, and they still sucked. Uh, And here we are, owner passed away. There's seemingly behind the scenes a lot of changes. I know they went and they hired two new assistant general managers very recently, and they are kind of in this uh, position. They've got a lot of young guys knocking at the door, and really, they 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 need to figure out their goaltending situation with Matt Murray. But I think this is just a team that you just kind of you unlock the door and you see what they can do. Yeah, really, that's it, right? Let the young guys go and, and see what happens. I mean, guys like you know Josh Norris, Tim Stutzel, Colin White, Drake Batherson. They've got a lot of good young talent here, uh, not to mention Brady Kachuk, who is an absolute legend after his uh, fandom in Calgary for his brother there. Um, oh, and, I I mean, that- and, and you've got Drake Batherson, who's, who was putting up a point per game until he got uh, until he got hurt last year, that cheap, cheap play. Um, <laughs> Josh Norris is, uh, is, is poised to have a, a huge – season this next year maybe playing uh definitely playing in the top six i mean he had 55 points in 66 games 
this this guy's only going up from here. I I Ottawa's going to be a fun team to watch. As a Leafs fan, I'm mildly terrified. <laughs> yeah, right. But, the goaltending situation to me is the biggest concern. Uh, Anton Forsberg is going to be a good one B, but you know Matt Murray, can he get close to something right to where he used to be? Uh, that's a concern for me, but. Um, yeah, they, they should be fun, and maybe they're willing to spend some money, right? Maybe they, uh, you know, go out and and say, you know what, we need we need a piece to put us over the top. We need that that one guy, and maybe they make a play on a guy like Philip Forsberg, right? Who I think would fit in with what this team's dynamic is very very well. And I mean, granted, he is a forty goal scorer, so you'll find a place for him. You'll you'll move some money, do whatever you can, um, or maybe bring in a guy like Evgeny Malkin and you know put you over the top there. I think. Either one of those guys would be phenomenal and really give this team that next step. Now, um, I do think they do need, you know, another top pairing defenseman on this team as well. So um, Thomas Shabbat can't play 45 minutes a night anymore. Uh, yeah, maybe they, try to spread that around a little bit. Artem Zub looked really good last year, but yeah, they they need to. Uh, and Jake Sanderson coming up. Uh, I think they probably trade Brandstrom here in the off season. Uh, but yeah, I just their defense is my biggest concern. Is that do they have an NHL defense outside of Shabbat? Really, uh, because Jake Sanderson only nineteen years old. You're not expecting him to come in and play twenty five minutes a night. So <clears throat> I think, and he hasn't even played an NHL game yet. So we don't we don't even know if he'll make the team. Um, so very true. That's uh, that's a huge question mark. Uh, but they've they they have the beginnings of a very very good team that are very young and ready to roll uh it'll be excited to exciting to watch them um as of today they have uh they have 23 million dollars in cap space and no one of like huge significance to sign other than josh norris who will probably get norris i'm guessing will get somewhere in the neighborhood of like six million uh and they'll, they'll sign him probably to a a good little bridge deal here that would be my guess uh just to kind of see where he's where he he posits long term. Um, okay, let's let's close it out with the Tampa Bay Lightning since we're at uh, an hour and fifteen minutes. We uh, will will close this one out with the runner ups to the Stanley Cup, and uh, I mean they resign that the Lightning have already resigned Nick Paul to a seven year. I think it's a three point one five million dollar cap hit per year. Uh, does this remind you a little bit of the applicator deal <laughs> or the Franzen I mean, deal? Listen, I, I love Nick Paul's game and I thought he was phenomenal for that Tampa team. My only concern with him. And I think long-term it's going to get even more of a concern is his lack of speed, right? We saw with Colorado, how they were able to just, you know, hit the gas and he couldn't keep up. Right. So, Maybe he drops a couple pounds. Maybe he figures out his skating a little bit better. But at 27, I don't think that's really going to happen. No, he's only going to uh, slow down. He, right. I think he is what he is at this point, And Tampa knows that, right? They they obviously like what they see out of him. And so maybe you put a couple other speedy guys with him to kind of offset that a little bit. But uh, Nick Paul's a guy who's a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he can go play second power play. He can move up and down your lineup. He can take faceoffs. He plays the wing. So I like his game, and I would have liked to have signed him as a Red Wing fan. I think he would have been great on a third line for you. But, um, you know, again, the money they're giving him and the cap situation they're in, 
it kind of seems like they're expecting him to be a little bit more than just a third line guy. Well, they also they gave him such a long term deal because they're trying to, yeah, hey, like obviously the Lightning are eventually going to, uh, they're not going to be intending for a Stanley Cup in all seven of those years, uh, and they know that. So I think they're looking at this like Stamkos has two years left here. Um, he'll resign, of course, but. Uh, you know, then you're looking at a Stamkos who's almost who's 35 years old at the end of that deal. I think you're looking at the next two or three years, and you're saying, "Who cares? We'll figure it out uh, for those for those last three years of that Nick Paul deal." But for now, will Nick Paul will be great for the next three years, and we'll see what happens when he pushes 30. Uh, but you're just you're doing everything you can to keep winning right now. That's what you got to do. And uh, that's what you're going to do, which unfortunately is the reason why they have to trade Ryan McDonough. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> unfortunate, right? I mean, look, they've got Alex Kalorn. You hear his name rumored too as being uh, a potential cap casualty to get moved. Um, which he but, was terrible in the playoffs. Well, didn't score eh, a goal. Not scoring a goal aside, he was still good, but he didn't contribute, you know, in that way, right? Um, you know, I mean, he's still called four, on defensively. Four points in twenty-three games. That's uh, that's not a guy making four and a half million bucks. Which which it's weird no, because no, no. he had a he had a really good year goal scoring. He scored yeah, twenty-five it, goals. It, it yeah, so it was weird. it was weird. But defensively, he was he was phenomenal, right? I mean, he and Sorelli went out there and paired up against each team's top line and and managed to play really really good. So um, not going to knock him all that aside. But yes, at four point four million dollars, he's just not worth it right now. So. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams lined up to, to trade for this guy, especially because he has a modified no trade clause, so he can just rule out 16 teams. So he's going to be difficult to move. Now, a guy like Ryan McDonough, I can tell you right now, I think there's probably a good 28, 30 teams that will line up to take him yep. at this point. So even though he has a modified or a no trade clause right now, um, you know, I think Tampa can still find a way to go to him and say, hey, you know what, we got to move you. Um, you know, he's got two cups here, so you know, I think he'll he'll be more than willing to help the team out, hopefully and um, I, I think that they'll probably say you know, wait, where do you want to go? We'll try to help you go there. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it's gonna come down to. And they'll take a fifth round pick, fourth round pick, who knows, um, just to get it done because really they wanna re sign Andre Palat, right? This guy's uh, I mean, a franchise player. He's just been, you know, phenomenal for this team and so I think they don't want to lose that. Honestly though, you know, that's I think that it it might be their fatal mistake. I think that the years that they won, they were still willing to like, all right, well, we got to we got to do what we got to do. We got to we got to jettison some guys and they let Barkley Goodrow go. They uh they let uh Blake Coleman leave. They didn't they didn't try and and dismantle the rest of the team. And you know what? I I don't know, Andre Palat, I feel like between Palat and Nicholas Paul, you're looking at exactly what the Los Angeles Kings did. The Los Angeles Kings overpaid for players that helped them win the cup, and and then they they live to regret it because they overpaid for guys that uh, now Palat maybe maybe Palat not so much as as Paul uh, in, in terms of regret, but Palat is 31 years old. I mean, he could very quickly go from being a very relevant player to quickly being a guy who's I mean he he put up 50 almost 50 points. We'll see he's a 50 point guy. You don't want to pay Andre Palat too much here. And for too no, long. And, 
And right, and they have to be careful because they've got Eric Chernak and you know Sergachev coming up that both need new deals, and these are top four guys for them right now. Especially if you get rid of my, Ryan McDonough, Sergachev's value just goes even, you know, goes up even more. So you've get you've got to tread carefully if you're you're Tampa Bay here, especially with that Pollock deal too. Yeah, and man, I don't know who's more important to your team, Pollock or McDonough. I know Pollock scored some big goals, but McDonough plays a lot of minutes. And yeah, he, me personally, I'd keep McDonough if it was me. Yeah, I think so too. And it, yeah, but I would try to trade Kalorn and say, Palat, just sign a, you know, sign a. We'll sign you to four years at five million bucks. I think that they could they could swing that. They could make it work. Yeah, but I will tell you this: Tampa's not done. I still think they're going to push. You know, a lot of teams might look at them now the way they lost to Colorado because they weren't as fast. Um, they might go, hey, you know what? This is the end of Tampa. It's hardly the end. I think they're going to be competitive for the next two or three years still. Um, you know, especially with, you know, they've got guys like Kucherov still signed long term. Braden Point's only 26. Sorelli's uh, 24. They're yeah. not going anywhere. No, no, they're not going anywhere, but I could see a year where uh, an early exit this next season. Just, just, they've just played so much hockey. Uh, yeah, but the thing, too, we, we forget. Tampa's going to be a team that's not going to give a crap about the regular season either. So, um, you know, they might end up finishing third or fourth in that division and still make the playoffs and then turn it on. So, Yeah, all right, we'll see. Um, All right, that is the Atlantic division. Uh, We'll see what happens here in the draft coming up in just five days. And uh, we'll we'll try and check out the other the other divisions here for you before the draft. But if we're not able to, we'll we'll just do it after the draft too. So uh, stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, he could come in and play with guys like Tyler Bertuzzi or Jacob Barana, and I think he would continue to thrive. Yeah, I don't know that Detroit would be his first option coming into free agency right now, based on where the Red Wings are, but. Um, Maybe Colorado, right? There's a team that could, you know, if Nazem Kadri doesn't, yeah, you know, sign yeah. for less than eight, he would fit in really well with them. He would. Maybe, maybe Washington. Yep, would absolutely. Fit well, in Washington, I mean, the the idea of maybe getting to play with Alexander Ovechkin that could be very attractive. Yeah, and maybe a lot of teams aren't willing to shell out big term for him and big money. So maybe he takes a one year, prove it again deal with uh, with Washington and cashes in. I don't think so. I don't think he's signing <laughs> any one-year deals. Uh, based on, I don't I mean, disagree with you. But. Based on his, I mean, he's at least like, he's been pretty consistent uh, the last couple of years once he's been, hadn't had this opportunity and, and just what he proved in the playoffs. He'll, he'll, uh, and it, it might be more like a three, a three-year deal, um, take you to 30, you know, three, sure. maybe a four if he can, you know, it depends on who you sign with. If you want to sign with a team that wins, and that's like a good team right now. Yeah, you're gonna have to probably sign a maybe a, a two year deal, three year deal worth like three million, four million bucks. But if you want to go to Detroit, you know Detroit'll probably have to sweeten the offer and offer five years and like five times five for Andrew Cop. I think would be a reasonable deal and uh, would would set Detroit up like he's gonna be good in in five years. Or like we'll say when Detroit is really ready to compete for a playoff spot in probably another year or two, he'll still be good. Yep. All right. Uh, Last team in the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, What do you what do you think Carolina is going to do going into this offseason? Because they man, it just seems like they just can't get over the hump. 
No matter what that hump is, they just can't get over it. And uh, No, and I think you and I talked about this, right, during our, our playoff series wrap-up. I think they need a big superstar-type forward to really get this team over the hump. And, um, and maybe they picked a good year because they have some money to spend, right? I mean, they, they've got a guy like Martin Nietzsche's who I've heard is taking calls, right? His agent is reaching out to teams to possibly move him. Um, so we may not see him back in Carolina this year. I don't know. Um, I don't know why they <laughs> decided to give Koke Niemi all that money. I think that was stupid, but you know, whatever they're, they're going to hope he pans out. He's only 21. So there's still plenty of time for him to develop and, and maybe pay off on that contract. But you know, with, with Vincent Trocheck, uh, Nino Niederreier, Max, Max Domi, all those contracts coming off the books, they've got 19 million and change to spend. And really all they need to do is sign a couple, you know, sign that one big forward and then, you know, figure out Anthony D'Angelo or another, you know, top four defenseman there. Um, so this could be a guy or an opportunity for them to bring in a guy like a Philip Forsberg, um, you know, Johnny Goudreau. I mean, I don't think he signs in Carolina, but, um, you know, Carolina is a team that's ready to, to compete for a Stanley Cup, and they're they're right there. So, um, you know, I, they, they have a lot of different directions they could go in as far as, you know, where they want to spend their money. Um, how they want to fill in those missing pieces. But I do think, you know, like I said, uh, a game-changing forward would, would work really well. Maybe they go on, they make a move, make a trade, bring in a guy like Brock Besser who, you know, could potentially be out in Vancouver. Uh, maybe bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois, right, who is rumored to uh, wanting to go to free agency and test that market. So maybe Winnipeg deals him now. Um, yeah, really uh, don't know. So I mean, you're also also don't forget about Seth Jarvis, who had a monster rookie season um, in his draft year, mind you. As, an, as well, uh, he's 20. Uh, sorry, in his he was 2020 pick um, as a 20 year old. I mean, he went and he had what 40 points in 68 games, almost had 20 goals. He had a really good playoff too. He had eight points, and uh, I think you're going to see him take another step. And he's somebody who can really, I mean. He's kind of going to be that Jordan Stahl leaves, and you can just drop Seth Jarvis right in there, and you've got a faster version of of Jordan Stahl. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of free agents going to going to Carolina, I it's just it's one of those places that seems to be difficult to attract high level free agents. It's kind of like Columbus, right? Like. It, it's it's been in in the history of this organization. It's been difficult. Add on to that that their owner is very stingy. Uh, I think it's going to be real to tough. It. It's going to be real tough to to draw those guys in who are like I could go home. I could be really close. Like I could be in Philadelphia or New Jersey for like a Johnny Gaudreau, um sign a big deal or sign back in Calgary. That is always a possibility too. I. I, like Philip Forsberg, to me, I think it's probably more likely that he ends up back in Nashville than it does him going to Carolina. Like Carolina is not going to be the team that goes out and goes, yeah, pay ten million bucks for that guy, bring him in. I just don't see it. I don't see it. They they were offering what did they offer Dougie Hamilton? I think it was like they were trying to get him for seven or like six yeah. and a half million. Seven, and yeah. he signed for nine. Like, and they didn't want to give him the the max term. I don't think either. So. I mean, you're just not going to get these guys if that's how you're going to value them. Um, so they're they're going to have to acquire guys like I mean, Pierre Luc Dubois. That's a good a good target because 
he has to go there. Um, I also, I don't think that Pierre Luc Dubois is getting like ten million in free agency either. Uh, so, no. <laughs> so you're you're going to be able to keep him cost controlled for a little while. Uh, but the Carolina Hurricanes, that there's just has to, they're just missing something that's not getting them over the hump. Uh, some of it, I think, was goaltending. You know, the fact that you uh, that Anderson was hurt when push came to shove, which I said would happen. Said that would happen. <laughs> I knew it would happen. <laughs> I knew it would happen. Every Leafs fan knew it would happen. Oh, time to rely on him. Yeah, he's gonna hurt his groin. Yeah, uh, that's that's just what's been happening to Frederick Anderson, and it's unfortunate. He's a great guy. He's a good. He's a really good goalie. Uh, but he just cannot stay healthy through the course of a, a whole season, and more importantly, when it counts. Um, but any other uh, any other players that you you targeted for Carolina or, or things you've got going on with them? Boy, so what I will tell you, um, I'm sure you probably already knew this, but as of yesterday, uh, their AHL affiliate, the Chicago Wolves, won the Calder Cup. So I think there's some talent there as far as, you know, guys you can bring in for the bottom six. But, um, you know, maybe, you know, again, if you're willing, if you're trying to make a big move to bring in a, a top forward, which I still, I think this team desperately needs, you could throw in a guy like Jack Drury, who looked pretty good in the Calder Cup. Um, you know, he basically finished third on his team and scoring with 24 points in 18 games and, uh, you know, was big for this team. And, you know, again, there's some pieces there. Um, but ultimately, I, I I just think they need to figure out what they're going to do as far as the Ford group is concerned because I want them to spend the money. I want them to go out and, and bring in a big-name piece because this is a team that I think has the right pieces right now to compete, especially because, you know, Jordan Stahl is going to be free agent after this year. And the way he plays the game, I don't, I don't know how much longer he's going to be um, really good outside of the face-off circle. So you might want to take advantage of that now. And then, you know, again, uh, you know, you've got Tiro Ten- or Tivo Teravainen, who's only got one, two years left on his deal. So uh, the window is small. Same with Sebastian Ajo, right? Two years left on his contract. Now I do think he re-signs with them. I think they'll they'll get something done with him and not let him walk. But uh, maybe it is a guy like Matthew Barzell, right? Maybe you look at it and, you know, come July 13th, they're like, hey, are you going to resign? And he says no. And so maybe you throw in all your marbles, right? You throw a guy like Jack Drury. You throw in a guy, um, gosh, like, I mean, Martin yeah. Nishis. Maybe you throw him in there and, and you give the Islanders some some quality pieces that could go in and, and fill in those gaps for them too. Yeah, I mean, no matter how you cut it, you've got a guy who's who can score goals in Svechnikov. Uh, you you've got Sebastian Ahu who can just burn. Uh, they they have a good top six. They've got some good pieces on defense. There's just something holding them back. Like uh, the other thing is that Anthony D'Angelo is not signing a, a two million dollar deal or whatever he was just coming off of. No, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so uh, one million, one 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 times one. Uh, he is going to get paid. He got 51 points in 64 games and had a really nice playoff too. I mean, he's going. they're going to need to give him some big money if they want him to stay beyond this because he's he is arbitration eligible. Um, I did hear that Ethan Bear was going to be moved. Yeah, they're looking at, at you know, I, well, maybe it's his agent then instead of Martin Nishis uh, that's been talking to free, you know, other teams. But, oh, yes, yeah. it is Ethan Bear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because again, I I think 
you know, Brendan Smith, Ian Cole, you could bring either one of these guys back in to play as a 6-7 defenseman. I think both of them played fairly well for their roles in the minutes they were given. Um, but a yeah, guy like Ethan Bear is, yeah, yeah, but a guy like Ethan Bear is just he's just not even your long-term plans, right? So might as well just move him. He's still an RFA young enough where you're still going to get a decent return. Uh, you know, Pesci, Slavin, those guys are obviously your top two. And, you know, Anthony D'Angelo, you would love to get him re-signed and maybe at a reasonable cost too. Maybe you get him at like a six times six or something. Um, but, you know, it's again, it's hard to justify paying him more than a guy like Jacob Slavin because, well, again, what... Jake and Sla- but, you, but when Jacob Slavin signed his deal... Uh, that was, it was a different time. Oh, sure. Uh, I don't think you can look at that. He's not paid high enough to look at him and go, Oh, we can't pay any, anyone more than Slavin. Oh no, uh, no, I agree. But what I, I guess what I mean by all that is, is, you know, Carolina as tight as they hold their purse strings, you know, that's, that's their leverage, right? They're going to use, they're going to say, well, we don't want to pay you more than our top defenseman. So, you know, we have to keep you relatively close or, uh, you know, under that. And so maybe that's not. You know, not for D'Angelo, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's possible. Um, Vince Ro- Vince Trocek, do you think he's back? Think he resigns? Ooh, uh, that that's a tough one. I I I think there's a place for him in Carolina. Oh, he had uh, a good season. You know, 21 goals, 51 yeah. points, and he had his best year since 2017, 18. Uh, I think I think that it's clear he he's a good fit there. Uh, and and I think that Rod Brindamore's really worked with him to uh you know, he's a little undersized, um, uh, but he's really worked with him to uh to like help him defensively. And I think that that's allowed his game I mean, you just look at his plus minus. I mean, he's he's been negative every single year, and then this year he's a plus twenty one. I mean, that's that's not by accident. No, uh, no, but so the thing is is um, you know, guys that have put up fifty or more points at the center position, I mean, honestly, Free agent wise, there's maybe six guys there. Yeah. So if you're if you're Vincent Trocheck, you could probably go out and get paid a lot more money on a different team than you would, you know, staying in Carolina. So it's really the decision is, you know, do you feel comfortable taking less money and staying here to compete for a Stanley Cup, or would you rather go somewhere else where you can possibly get a few more, you know, one or two more million bucks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There really isn't, in terms of how many, uh, excuse me, how many points he actually put up. There really isn't many other players that compare to him on the market. You know, you've got Nazem Kadri, and I'm not even going to include Bergeron because Bergeron is he's only signing in Boston, so it like it hardly counts, and he has so much experience. Uh, maybe you consider Giroux a, a centerman. At this yeah, point, I, I think Absolutely. he's a. Probably more of a, a winger in terms of what what team's going to sign him, and then it's like Andrew Cop, and Andrew Cop isn't even a true center. You know, he's not playing center all the time. He's he's kind of getting tossed around, and then maybe the other ones, uh, like a, it's Strom. Well, Strom's a winger, yeah. So there there well, really Strom, isn't much. Yeah, Ryan Strom played well, center, center and yeah. Cop was on the wing, but still, those guys are they can play on the wing, they can play center. So they, you know, again, there's only a few of them, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, so he could cash in right with a team that you know is really looking to solidify a number two or maybe number three center position. Yeah, uh, maybe paying him six. Six would probably be the the limit for a trocha. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you're Carolina, right, you're not giving him more than I don't know if I'd want to give him five. more than five million bucks. So. And at twenty eight years old, you're probably looking at like five times four. 
yeah, at the most, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, so that's a tough sell. I, I mean, I think that he's a good fit there. Uh, he has a good role, and and he, like you said, he's playing good under uh, Rod Brindamore. Uh, I guess it also depends on what else they're able to to bring in. So, I I think this division is all like every team in this division is going to get better outside of maybe Columbus. I think that's probably the one team you're looking at and you go, hmm, I don't know. Uh, maybe the other team I could see would be the Islanders. I could see the Islanders taking yet another step back and going, oops, yep, actually last year wasn't a fluke. This is, we just aged out. Well, you it's, it's funny, the Islanders, right? You, you look at this team and, they just started off really rough. I mean, they didn't really play at home till yeah, it, twenty. It seemed in. like the last game of the season. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I think with Barry Trotz gone, right, that's where I, I look at the Islanders possibly slipping. Um, you know, especially with whatever happens with Matthew Barzell, if they uh, can't get him resigned, they decide to move him. Who knows? I mean, obviously, I think he'll play out this year, uh, being an RFA next season. So. Um, for me, I think the Islanders, yes, I, I completely agree. I think they're poised to take a step back. I think Columbus is. Uh, and know, maybe on- Washington, like Washington will probably take a step back, but I, they're still a playoff team. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think Pittsburgh and Washington are still potentially playoff teams, but I think because they're getting a little older, their core is, and, uh, you know, a little uncertainty for both teams in goal, whether that's, you know, Pittsburgh's, you know, number one B slot and Washington trying to find a starter here. Uh, some of those wins they're getting are probably going to go to teams like New Jersey and Philadelphia. So, um, you know, whether or not any of those teams fail to make the playoff again is, is another story, but I still think the cream of the crop, right. Is Carolina and the Rangers, I think right here at the top. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I think this division will be tighter. You're not going to see a, like, you know, you look at the teams that made the playoffs and the teams that didn't as a 16 point gap. I don't think you're going to see that again, four to five. It's going to be a much tighter division. Um, I also don't think you're going to see where what every playoff team in the East had a hundred points. <laughs> that was uh, an interesting year for sure. All right. Well, that's the Metro division. Justin, we went for uh, an hour and 38 minutes on the Metro division. Ooh, we'll Oops, have to uh, shorten that up here. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll shorten it up for, uh, for the other divisions, but that's all right. I don't mind. Um, so we'll, uh, We'll likely do the Pacific Division next, and then we'll we'll hit the Atlantic and the and the uh, and the Central, and then we'll be at the draft coming up on July seventh. So just uh, about less than two weeks to the draft. So it'll oh, be I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be really real fun. All right, Justin, you have a good rest of your day, and to our listeners, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Leave us a a nice review wherever you're listening to, and have a great rest of your day.